Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning, if you would please, today as we jump into the Word, uh, to the book of Galatians. To the book of Galatians. I wanted to, you know, my first bent would be to go back to our key text scripture, but I think if I did that in Matthew 7, I would spend half the sermon time preaching on it again. And uh, praise God. So to help ensure that we gain some new ground, uh, praise God. I I figured it seemed good to my heart to to jump over here. Uh, If you're new to, uh, to us, this may be your first or second time. We've been in a series not too long for us. I think this is lesson number five, uh, praise God, in the series that we're calling Building the Family. Building the Family. You know, families are built. They're built. They're, you know, they're built on purpose. You know, the building you see here existed for years on paper before it existed in steel and mortar. Amen. And so it was envisioned and we set out on purpose to create what we had, what was written. That would be a good way to say it. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, for us as believers, we have been granted the kind privilege uh, as children of God to, to, and the whole world's been given it. Amen. But if anybody ought to be embracing God's word, it's his children. Amen. And we have been given a handbook, an instruction manual, a written vision of what the family should look like. Every family is going to be unique. The Cody's are wholly unique. Not going to be another family out there like us. Amen. That family dynamic. But, but overall, we ought to all eventually have the fragrance uh, and the, the pretty view, if I could say it that way, of a family that looks like the Word. Amen. A family that looks like the Word. And I know that, um, you know, as I was talking to uh, Brother Philip here uh, pre-service, you know, that sometimes got not, not criticizing our parents at all, but most of us come from backgrounds where our parents, God bless them, left us big things to overcome in order for our lives, our families, our marriages to look like the word. We didn't, most of us don't have the example that some of our children have. You know, there's my son sitting there and and, you know, he has not witnessed a perfect family, but he has witnessed a Christian family. A- amen. And uh, so we've endeavored, Mom and I, to give our children a positive example to look at. You know, when it comes to what a marriage, how a Christian marriage ought to be and, and look. Not perfect by any means. And that's another thing, you know, I'm not, I am striving per- for perfection, but I'm not expecting it in this life. <laughs> Or you're just going to be pursuing it, pursuing it, pursuing it until the Lord comes. But you know, even that is one of the greatest gifts that we could give our children as parents. Amen. Is that they could see imperfect mom and dad pursuing the perfection of the Word. Amen. And no matter what your history's been up to this moment, you could leave here and begin to give them that example. You know, sometimes, you know, I've had parents come and they've, they've gotten born again. And, uh, but they're, they're, they've, they've been obviously unsaved and now they're Christians and they're starting out and they have, they have teenagers in their home. And, you know, their teenagers have been raised up to now under a certain mentality, under a certain way. And now things, they want parent, the parents want things to radically change. Well, the thing that I have suggested in that scenario is to sit those kids down and, and just be honest with them and say, look. The way it's been is the way it's been, but it's changing now. Amen. 
I have Jesus in my life now. I have a new Lord. I have a new Master. And you need to expect things to change. I'm going to be changing the way I parent you. I'm going to be, as I discover, as the Lord leads me, as I grow, and I'm expecting you to roll with the change. Because this is a God change. This is going to produce blessing in our family. And just tell them, I, I believe in honesty. I believe in honesty. I've never been one since my kids, uh, you know, arrived in planet Earth. If I had a funeral to do, they went. Now, I'm not, I don't say anybody's making a mistake, but, you know, if there's a, the, whatever, we just brought them in. Whatever's going on in my family. You know, I, I, one of the hardest things I ever did was to come home and tell my daughter Faith, who was still very young at that time, uh, that, uh, that, her, sorry, that her grandmother had died. My, my mom died at 58 in 2005, uh, unexpectedly and tragically. And uh, thank God she's six months born again. But I didn't, I didn't shield my kids from my grief, what I was going through. Amen. You say things to children in the way at their level of maturity. You phrase things. But my kids have always been folded in uh, to whatever's happening, good or bad, challenging or whatever, in our home. Amen. And it forges bonds that last. Yeah. Right? Anyway, I got off on that. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, you need to build your... God has given you the Word. And if you'll get into the... And we're endeavoring in these... That's uh, one great thing about having a church is God will move upon your pastor and He'll teach you from the Word and maybe show you scriptures that you weren't thinking about. And, and uh, so that's what we're believing for. And so let's say a quick prayer and let's jump into what God has for us today. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are the author, the creator, the designer of all things marriage and family. And God, that uh, as we've been seeing in services up to now, that if we will hear and do the sayings of Jesus, the word of God, that Matthew 7, 24 through 27 tells us that we will build a life. We will build a family. We will build a marriage that is built on the rock that uh, so solid a structure that no wind or storm or circumstance could defeat it or destroy it. Father, I thank you for giving us all listening ears and hearts that are open to receive and revelation about these things and that God will leave here changed. We'll leave here with an assignment. We'll leave here better for coming. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the last several services, we've been talking about the love of God and the importance of the love of God in married life and in family life. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, we have here, you know, something again very familiar to most Christians. Uh, a list that Paul gave us by the Spirit of the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And in my Bible, in most Bibles, uh, you will have the word Spirit in this verse. Galatians 5.22 capitalized. And obviously, we'll think that, that that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. Really, if you really think about it, and you do a further study, this is the fruits of the Spirit are not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They are fruits of the born-again human spirit, our spirit. Now, obviously, they only come forth because we are born of the Spirit. Right? You know, in Greek, the New Testament was primarily written in Greek, there's only one word for spirit. There's only one word for spirit, the Greek word pneuma, P-N-E-A-U, however you spell it, pneuma. 
And so whether it's the human spirit or the Holy Spirit, now if you have the word holy there in the Greek, then that, that defines it for you. But a lot of times it's just spirit. And here it is spirit. Where does fruit grow? Does it grow on the, grow on the root or does it appear on the branch? What did Jesus say? Are we the root of the branch? We're the branch. So the fruit shows up on the branch. So these fruits of the Spirit are fruits of the born-again human spirit because we now have the life of God in us. The nature of God has been imparted to us. We have received eternal life. The Holy Spirit has come and joined Himself with our spirit. And now we are one with Him. And all of it with that comes who He is. And who is He? We found out last week, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God is love. Hallelujah. And so love moved into your spirit the moment you got born again. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad or distributed into our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So notice here in Galatians 5.22, reading from my Amplified, it says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we know it's really to be, uh, praise God, the born-again human spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the work which His presence within accomplishes, and that's exactly right, is love. So the very first trait that ought to spring up in a new Christian, is love. And what we talked about last week, if you weren't here, and by the way, all these messages are free, won't cost you nothing, they're out on the podcast. You just have to go to a podcast and go to World Harvest Church of Paducah and you'll find all of those. Uh, Amen. Go to our Facebook page, YouTube, just watch them all, catch up with us. But the very first trait, and, and doesn't that make sense? If God is love and God came in, one of the very first things that people ought to notice if they really received Jesus and were born again, is love. You know, there was a time in my life, the last thing I would have thought would have been a desirable place to be on Friday night was church. There was a time in my life where the last thing I wanted to spend a whole week doing was coming to church. And hearing the word and being around God's people. But after I sold out and gave my life to God, His love came into my life. And now I love what I once despised. Amen. I love activity I used to make fun of. And now I spend tens of thousands of dollars a year to get to places to spend a whole week in the word. Sitting under the ministry of some of the body of Christ's greatest men and women, most anointed teaching and ministry out there. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. See, love, love, natural human love, especially, you know, coming from someone who's not saved. See, you don't have the love of God in you. And bless your heart, you could try all you want to love your wife the way you really, you, she ought to really be loved. Love and honor your husband the way he really ought to be loved. But you can't do it. You can't do it because you don't have divine love on the inside of you. Human love, apart from divine love, is inherently selfish. And it will only go so far. But there is is no only go so far with God's love. 
God's love knows no limits. The Bible says that when we were His enemies, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't die for friends. He looked down, hanging on the cross, bleeding and naked and in shame on that cross. And He looked at the very Roman soldier who drove the nail into His wrists and feet and said, Father, forgive this guy. I'm up here for Him. I'm up here because I love Him. That that's, takes you out there, doesn't it? I mean, that just takes you, takes you out there. But you know, you and I, maybe not, not to that extreme, but unless you just came out of the womb born again, you know what I mean, came out of the womb saved, if you lived a life like mine, Christ died for me when I was using His name in vain. Christ died for me while I was out having fun breaking all His laws and commandments. But see, love, God's love sees past all that is and embraces what love knows could be. Amen. Come on. Love looks past all that is and sees what could be. Amen. He looked past all my junk. He was not moved by the pitiful mess he found me in that dark hallway in college at a frat party, drunk and suicidal. It was love that came into that hallway. It was love that extended me a hand. It was love that said, Chris, don't live like this anymore. Take my hand. I have something for you. Amen. See, love saw today. Love saw Amen. the man I am today. Love saw the minister I am today. Love saw the father I am today. And I'm not taking credit for any of it. It's his work in my life that has made me the person I am today. But listen, God's love, this very same love that God is loving you with. He commands that we love others with that same love. Now that's a whopper of a statement, isn't it? And we could not do it except that He gave us His love. That love is in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That love is in you now if you're saved. And if you're not saved, you need to get saved so you can get this love on the inside of you. I want to say this too. You know, as we're, t- we're talking about love and how important and foundational it is to our married and family life. But, you know, I, I see this more and more. I can't, I can't love my wife the way like Christ loved the church until I first receive the love of God into my own life. I mean, I have to let God love me. I have to believe He loves me. I have to receive that love, partake of that love. You know, a lot of people, they don't love themselves. And they don't really see it. Maybe it's not intentional. But a person that does not love themselves, the person that has not fully embraced and received the love of Jesus Christ into their life, contaminates all their relationships for various reasons. If you don't let the love of God have its way in your heart, one of the things that you could find yourself is deeply insecure. How many of you, all of us on some level deal with insecurity. I have a calic right here. It's really bad. And it takes someone like Cynthia who's really talented with hair. My hair's jacked up. I mean, I had to have physical therapy for months after I 
uh, was born because I was squished in mama's womb and they had to straighten my neck and he'd go like that. And, and my hair grows up in the back because of that. And so where is he going with this? I, I'll tell you. You know, and I'll say, oh, yeah. and I don't want to come out before all these people, this goofy calic. And, you know, we all have things in our life that if we let us, for years, I did not like the way I looked. I wanted to be like Jerry. I wanted to be like Brother Jerry. A block of cheese, you know, boom. And it didn't matter how much I ate in high school. It didn't matter how hard I bench pressed. I could not get beyond 155 pounds. When I graduated a senior in high school, I graduated 155 pounds. Those days are gone forever. <laughs> but, you know, and then things happened to us. And one of the things my parents' divorce made me was deeply, I was insecure about my relationships, how I thought that, I didn't think anything could happen to that. And I found out violently it could. Something that you thought was supposed to be so stable and lifelong could be just taken away from you in a moment. And so what happens to people who are deeply insecure? Well, they do all kinds of things, don't they? They put up walls of defense. When you do that, I can't, we can't really have a divine love type of relationship. I don't, I can't, I don't want to have a relationship, you know, with me and your wall. You and your wall. Right? You know, an insecure person, they are a bottomless pit. It doesn't matter how much you affirm them. It doesn't matter how much you talk them up. It doesn't matter how much you compliment them. It never registers. It's never enough. You have to let, you have to receive God's love. You have to get a revelation that the creator of the universe saw your life, authored your life. You were formed and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. God knew you. He saw you. He loved you. And he sent his son before you ever took your first breath to die for you. That makes me special. Whatever people may think about me, God loves Chris. God loves Chris. God loves Chris Cody. And if God loves Chris, why shouldn't I? God made me long and lanky. Well, I like it then. I am the tall, cool one. That's what they called me in high school. I didn't name myself that. Praise God. Anyway, but I'm just saying, deeply insecure people, they fear rejection. They won't let people in. See, when we do not receive the love of God into our life, if we, that love from God will bind up every broken wound, and, and whether it's daddy did something to you, mama let you down, your high school sweetheart said she didn't want you, whatever your deal is. You know, ladies, I know a lot of ladies are deeply insecure about their bodies. And that doesn't work in marriage. What would, you know, let's not get graphic here, but a, a, a lady, a wife that is deeply insecure, that does not like the way she looks, won't let her husband look at her. 
and then gets mad at him for having a magazine. But your covenant oath was, I'm going to let you look at me. So you just need to let the love of God work on you, sweetheart. And then if you need to, get yourself on a program. Okay, it gets really quiet in here. <laughs> Dr. Dufresne always taught me, he said, if you want to get a holy hush in church, talk about money, talk about their kids, what was it? and talk about weight. Talk about somebody's weight. But you know, it's not fair. Uh, this is for a much future message, so... But it's not fair for you to just, husbands and wives, to get married and then let yourself go. And then get mad if they get addicted to looking at something pretty. It's like Dr. Dufresne used to say, even a, a farmer puts a paint, paint on an old barn every once in a while. You know, just... But you think about, think about what we did when we courted and we dated. We put every hair in place. I gave plasma twice to have enough money to buy a new shirt and to buy her ticket at the movie in a restaurant for our first date. Isn't that sweet? See, but we go, we go to extents to woo, lure, attract the attention and the affection of guys and gals. We think through every detail, and then we get married and we go, I'm just letting myself go. And then we wonder why it's not as hot, not as on fire, not as on fresh, and why he doesn't have eyes for me. And some folks, you look at them and they are amazing. You're right. I mean, and you can't compare yourself to what Hollywood and Photoshop produce. I mean, that's not reality. Right? That's not reality. Amen. But I just tell you what, in uh, models that don't like themselves, Anyway, what I'm saying is, whatever your deal may be, you have to let the love of God into your life, receive it first, so that you can think right about yourself, so that you can get, uh, then in turn freely, right, freely bestow the love of God on other people. Amen. See, God's not insecure, and He's going to love you with no limit. And he's not worried about your response. He's just going to love you. Some will reject him, but he's just going to keep on, he'll love them right to the gate of hell. And this is the kind of love we're supposed to love each other with a love that knows no limit, a love that will never say, I can't take anymore. What if God said that about us? What if God looked at Chris and said, I just can't take it anymore? Man, I'd be, I'd be, I'm glad God's not that way. Amen. But if you have God's love, a spouse that has God's love working in them will never say, I just can't take anymore. Wow. Now, I'm not talking about beatings. I'm not talking about that, right? I'm not talking about abuse. That is, love rejoices when right and truth prevail. I'm not talking about subjecting yourself like a doormat to that God. That's not love. That's not love. But you ought to be married, you ought to be able to be married to a very imperfect person that has issues and stay in it because you said you would. And love would do that. Amen. Let's go, uh, praise God. Let's flip over to the right to Galatians. Uh, not, well, let me see. 
Yeah, to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Y'all doing okay? Y'all are kind of quiet on me this morning, but that's all right. I think you're just eating. Chewing this good word up. Amen. I want to bring you here, especially, again, I'm reading from my Amplified this morning, my classic. Uh, Praise God, chapter 14, verse 1. Because, again, I want us to see the priority that this love ought to be, the pursuit of it, the gaining of it, the practicing of it, the walking of it ought to be in our life. Paul says, eagerly pursue, this is verse 1 of chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments and gifts. So, But anyway, notice he said, eagerly pursue, seek to acquire this love, make it your aim, your great quest in life. No need to raise your hand, but ask yourself a rhetorical question. Is the pursuit of, the development of, the cultivating of divine love in your life, is it your present day quest in life? Your mission in life? Your aim in life? For many of us, you know, we just have to say, no, hadn't been. Well, ask yourself another sobering question. What is your great quest in life? Is it fame? Is it money? Is it the next house? Is it a bigger boat? What is it? Because, you know, once you, and now we're all caught. We're all, we're all enlightened as to what God's Word says. What should every man's aim and quest in life be from this day forward? The cultivation of, the acquiring of, the development of, the practicing of divine love in our life. You cannot tell me this won't have a dramatic impact on your marriage. Come on. Wives, praise God. Is the pursuit of, the walking in, The development of divine love, is that your great aim, your great quest in life? See, get your your eyes off what the other one's not doing and their faults and their failures. What is your quest in life? What is your mission in life? What are you pursuing in in life? God wants you to uh, uh, exhibit divine love everywhere you go. Amen. But especially in your home. Especially there in your home. What must I do, Pastor? Just make a decision. Make a decision. Among all of the things that I'm pursuing in life, at the top of my list has to be love. Now, you say, well, what about seek ye first the kingdom of God? Well, God is love. Seek ye first the kingdom of love. You could just read your Bible this way for a season. And everywhere you see the place God, you should think love. Because God is love. Amen. Praise God. So above all else, to seek God is to seek love. To know God is to know love. We read it last week, right? If you don't love and you say you know God, John, the apostle, called you a liar. The proof of authenticity. Amen. 
uh, praise God. You know, you buy certain objects and they come with a certificate. They come with a certificate of authenticity. It's the proof that that is what you claim it is. The proof of your Christianity is not answered prayer. It's not the anointing. It's your, it's your love walk. All right, praise God. I'm trying to get a clue in my heart from God. Where are you in all this? Where can I go from here? Okay, praise God. Let's go back to Romans chapter 13. And I am going to cover some ground again that we, have, that we covered before, but hallelujah. We got to get these things settled. One of the things that we have, I'm just going to, I'm being redundant on purpose. This life I'm talking about is not optional. This is not a choice. It's a command. Walking in love towards your fellow man is a command. You know, as a Christian, you have forever forfeited your right to be rude. It is never okay for you to be rude at home. At the table, in the restaurant, in the parking lot, at the football game. You have forever forfeited your right to be rude. And if you're rude, if you're rude, you yield to rudeness and you realize it, you should repent. You should recognize that as a violation of the great command of divine love. And whoever you were rude to, you should apologize. Now listen, lest you know, I, I, I have been rude. I have been rude. And, I, you know, I, I, I just try to make it a practice. I have made a commitment in my life, I'm going to walk in love. I don't care what everybody else does, I'm going to walk in love. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get just run over like a doormat, but I am going to walk in love toward people. I'm going to be integrous towards people. <clears throat> I had a situation during the uh, Dr. Jerry Savell meeting. And uh, we had a large crowd, and pre-service, I had pre-arranged a greeting and a meeting with some guest ministers with Dr. Savell. God had put that on my heart. But I had, just, I had tremendous time limit and different things. And I had, a, I had a young lady in the service who I hadn't seen in a lot of years and drug addicted and, and, prob- and lots of problems, but she showed up in service. And the service dismissed, and I'm trying to, you know, be sweet and be nice to everyone, but I have, I have something I have to attend to. I have a man of God I'm a host to, and I got, I've got this thing going on. And this young lady came and said, I, I need you to, uh, would you, would you, can I talk to you? And, and right then I felt the pull. Because in my head, I've, I've had times where Miss Amber was like, you've got, you know, and she's right, she's trying to help me. You. And but you got this pull. Well, in that moment, I said, listen, I can't right now. I just can't right now. Uh, I need you to pray for me. I said, I will, but I can't right now. And I left. And that bothered me for days after that. Had, I, I just knew in my moment, I had, I had made the wrong choice in that moment. And it just bothered me for days. I wasn't trying to think about it. I was trying not to think about it. But I just, I just realized, it's probably been 10 days and it gone by. And I just said, man... I don't like that. If I had that moment over, I'd have done something different. So I repented to the Lord. 
expressed my heart, and then I messaged this, this one and expressed my sorrow and my, my regret. And this was the mother of the young lady, and I said, listen, if I have put a stumbling block in your way, if I have hurt you or offended you in this, I'm asking you, please humbly forgive me. I would like to do that over if I could. I know I can't. And she was like, ah, I told her not to bother you right then. She, she was like, I don't really know what you're talking about. Not a big deal. But see, on my side, on my side, I felt like I missed it. And I'm the one living with my insides. And whether whatever her perceived was, I didn't do it because I thought she was mad at me. I did it because I thought I violated love right then. I would have done something different. Y'all ever made a mistake? Okay, praise God. I have an altar call for liars, you know. <laughs> and uh, But the moment I sent that, whatever their response was going to be, I mean, if they leave the church, whatever, I can't do anything about that. But I, I felt instantly I was peaceful again on the inside. This is what I'm talking about, right? I am not perfect. You are not perfect. We don't yield to divine love all the time. Sometimes you're rude. The thing is, acknowledge, don't just go, oh, they'll just, I expect them to put up with me. No, you ought to make that right. You ought to make that right. I did what I could to make that right, and it was right. It is right today. But see, I am fully convinced, in, in studying after Brother Hagin all these years, I am fully convinced this is why God is able to keep me accident-free, Mentally peaceful, undisturbed, and this is a big one, healthy. Even medical science, if you care to pursue it, has discovered more and more the connection between the ongoings of the mind and the soul in the body. It's been in the Bible for thousands of years. If you want to walk in divine health, I'm 48 years old, I have walked in health all of, I, when if something comes against my body, I pray, I stand against it, I quote the word, I use my faith, that thing boogies. I'm not sick, I'm not weak, I'm not broke. And yes, I have faith in God's promises, right? But some things are not a faith issue for people. Some things are a love issue. And I'm just telling you, the problems you really want to go away will go away if you will walk in love. If you will walk in love. But if you're going to be pig-headed and you're going to be a, a grudge keeper and a score keeper and you're going to be selfish and you're never going to make amends and you're never going to forgive and you're never going to repent to God and you're never going to act like you ever make a mistake, then you're going to be sick, sweetie. You're not, your prayers are not going to be answered like God wants them to. You'll be exercising your faith and it won't work and you'll wonder why your faith's not working. And then you'll accuse faith preachers of preaching something false when really it's right, but your faith isn't working because you're not walking in love. I'm telling you, our churches would be sweet. There would never be a split. Our families would have heaven in our homes if we would what? If we would just walk in love. I'm telling you, financial problems would go away. Health problems would go away. Mental problems would go away. Prayers would begin to be answered. I tell you, if we would walk in love, it would solve so many of our problems. Amen. But you have to make a commitment to do it. 
You have to make a commitment to grow, to cultivate, to walk in, to practice the love of God in your daily life. And your uh, gym, your private gym of practice is your house. I'm telling you, if you can walk in love in your own home, you're doing it. Because that's where you're tempted to be the most fleshly. Is right there at home. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's close over here in 1 Corinthians. Pastor, how long are you going to stay on this love stuff? Well, yeah, I, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. You know, there's been instances, you know, Amber and I, we have paid what we have not owed so that we could have peace and walk in love. Now, I hope you don't. But if you have an eye for construction and things, you'll notice that the, the finishing of the drywall in many places of this building is bad. It's bad. And the contractor knew it was bad in 2012. Now, if you weren't here, some of you were. But if you weren't here, you wouldn't know. You just have to take my word for it. We didn't care about bad drywall. I mean, we were under so much pressure. We've been here for so long. We wanted in the building. And yet, I was doing everything I could to get quality. And, uh, you know, because uh, that's what you should do. And uh, I remember one day the general contractor was back in this room. And uh, I just walking along, walking through, doing my thing. And he looked up over and he goes, how much are you uh, going to deduct off of this for this bad drywall? And I just said, well, I said, I honestly I hadn't thought about it, but I probably should. And then more months went by. And then we got the final bill for the drywall. And it was for the whole thing. And then I brought his comment up to him. And he acted like, what drywall? Drywall, what drywall? This perfect drywall. This is the best drywall job I've ever seen. And I literally grabbed him and just said, let me, let me show you. You see that crack line right there? That's been there since new construction. I'm pointing, I don't know why I point. Just look past it from now on. I'm trying to make an illustration. <laughs> All throughout the building. And I said, I brought this up to you. You even fired the first guy, and the people you brought in next were worse. And then this guy dropped off. We hadn't got our occupancy permit. There was a punch list of things left to do. The contractor disappeared for two months. Wouldn't return phone calls, text messages. Emails is like he died. He was gone. I had to go a different route to have somebody else come in and finish so we could get in. A couple of months later, I get this final bill for everything, and he just acted like he just appeared. You know, oh, I'm back. I said, brother, I had to spend some of that money to pay someone else to do what you wouldn't do. Oh, well, I got sick. I said, I don't care. You should have had your wife, somebody tell us. $30,000. I said, I'm not paying. He put a lien. He put a lien against this property. It filed it in the court. It's amazing how they just did it. No substantiation whatsoever. And we're facing a bond note with high interest. And the plan is refinanced to a traditional loan once I move in. And I can't because of this guy's lien. And he's demanding 100% payment. You want to talk about being tempted... 
who slap a man. I'm not talking about walking in love. I'm talking about slap a man. And I just said, I just, I just dug my heels in and said, I am not paying. I'm not paying. I'm just a sweet guy. If you know me, I'm a sweet guy. And uh, I, I, try, I have been rolled over many times because I'm just sweet and non-confrontational. But this is one of the first instances in my adult life where I said, no, I'm not. Well, court, lawyers got involved, la, 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 here we go, and I'm facing a court date. I knew I'd win. All I have to do is show them this picture and get that guy. He's either going to have to lie about it or what did you tell me in that room right over there about the drywall? Ken was in here that one day and remembers the guy screaming in this building at me. I don't know what you thought at that moment, but it was, it was rough. I said, I said, I want your key. Don't you step another foot on this property again. You're done here. I haven't talked to him, I don't think, since that day, except through his lawyer. Anyway, all the while, my wife's over here going, you better walk in love. <laughs> we, need, we need God to do for us, sweetie. We need God to move. and We, do, we shouldn't be going to court. I said, I'm not going to pay the money. I am not going to pay. I'm not going to pay this guy $30,000. I'm not. And, but she just kept working on me. And the Holy Ghost. And, then, you know, do I want to drag this church through a public thing, fighting with a contract? Do I want to, you know, do I as a pastor, Chris, you know, in the court? And so, you know, we were able to negotiate a settlement, $18,000. I didn't know $18,000. I didn't know how we would get $18,000. We didn't have it. We didn't have the money. I gave away a little used car and, and put the cash in so we could have purple carpet. I mean, that's how desperate we were. I went down to one car for a while. <laughs> anyway, I, I've, I made the decision. I, I'll, pay, I'll pay the 18. I'll just, to get him gone and this over, amen, to not have to drag his name, my name through the mud, whatever. And you know, when I made the decision, when I made the decision to do it, she was doing our books at the time. She, she found the money. And we paid what we did not owe. Now, since then, it's been somewhat easier. Somewhat. But I, I can tell you about business situation. Again, with Christians. With people who called me brother. Who stole from me thousands of dollars but I thank God for my spiritual father my spiritual father had a preacher a son that he raised up in the ministry that took possession of an airplane on his word that he would pay it and he 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 robbed Dr. Dufresne I don't think he, he got the airplane back but it put Dr. Dufresne in it, it airplanes are expensive on an honorable handshake with a spiritual son. And that son robbed him. And I saw Dr. Dufresne pay what he did not owe to walk in love. Amen. This stuff is not easy. And I'm not saying it's easy when you're living in a home with someone selfish and someone bent on having their way and you're endeavoring to walk in. I'm not saying it's easy. 
But is, was it easy for Jesus to look on the Roman soldier who killed him, who crucified him, who nailed him to the wood? to say If he could say, Father, forgive this one right here. I love that I'm dying for him. Then if you will cultivate the love of God to the, to the degree you need to, you can look on that spouse or that rebellious child or whatever situation, a boss, a lot of you, you have sweet marriages, you have a boss from hell. You know, whatever, I, I feel for you. But you got to walk in love. I've had people say, Pastor, would you hire me? I don't want to work. I'm not, I'm not hiring you because you got a bad boss. I'm not your escape valve. Walk in love. Show him the love of Jesus. Be Jesus in that company. Love never fails. Let the love of God shine. Let the love of God manifest itself through you. Oh, praise God. I had you in Romans 13, didn't I? Well, we'll stop here, I guess. Praise God. Like I said, visitors, guests, you just have to understand about me. I, it may be a flaw, but in my sermons, I never get done. I just have to stop. You know, if you go into my sermon notes I, in two, from 2001, I would write out conclusions. That's what they tell you you're supposed to do. Introduction, body, conclusion, climax, wrap it up, sum it up. You read my notes for years, there's no conclusion on there. I never get, I write these amazing conclusions and I never get to them. Look at, uh, let's, let's close right here. Uh, Romans 13 verse 7. Paul, by the Spirit, says, render, you could say it this way, pay. Render, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Do you know you owe honor to some places? Children, you owe honor to your parent. You owe it. Why do I owe it? They brought you here. They gave you life. Amen. Then in verse 8 it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. So, you know, it talks about tribute to him, tribute, that's taxes. So do you just, keep, you know, just go like I'm tempted to do? I don't like that tax. I paid taxes on my car once. Why do I have to pay taxes on my car every year? Someone please tell me. Why? That's fair. Do I just get to decide as a citizen of the commonwealth not to pay? Bad things happen <laughs> to those who don't pay what they owe. So in this same vein, we owe taxes, pay taxes. We owe custom, pay custom. We owe res That word fear means respect. We owe respect. Amen? We owe respect. We, we owe honor. What else do we owe? We owe love to one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law. Think about that. Then he talks about the law, the Ten Commandments. He lists several. Skip down to the last phrase of verse 9. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. 
love, look at this, love works no ill. I think the Amplified says love works no harm. It does no harm and it doesn't hurt anyone. The love of God doesn't hurt anyone. Amen. You know, some of the things I've had God tell me, it felt like it hurt. But it wasn't intended to hurt me. It was intended to help me. Then verse 10, love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. A reference to the Old Testament. Again, the way it worked was uh, you do all these things and you qualify for God's blessings. That's how that worked in the Old Testament. And if you didn't want to obey the commandments, you didn't have to. But you wouldn't be healed, you wouldn't be protected, you wouldn't have prosperity, you wouldn't have God's blessing and approval on your life. The same thing is true in the New Testament. We just have one command instead of a bunch. But the one command, when we fulfill it, fulfills all the commandments. And it's a command to walk in love. I challenge you again this week. Practice the love of God on each other. If you're married and your mate is with you, grab their hand. Grab their hand. Amen. If your mate is with you, think about your mate. Think about somebody in your family you're going to love. Look at them and say, I don't know, I, I say, sweet, so I say, sweetie, sweetie, I'm going to practice the love of God on you this week. Yeah. I'm going to practice. Yeah. And if you're single, whatever, God's going to give you somebody to practice on. You'll think about your boss. Okay. I'm going to take out Goliath this week. I am going to, I'm going to climb my mountain. I'm going to love this lady. <laughs> and what you need to do is do what I've been telling you for three weeks. Get yourself a copy. You don't have to have a physical copy of the Amplified Classic. Go to BibleGateway.com. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 will tell you exactly what 27 things the love of God does not do. 27 things the love of God does. Amen? Say, this is what divine love looks like. So this is what I'm going to practice on my spouse this week. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to endure long. And I'm going to be patient and kind while I endure. I'm not going to gripe about my enduring. Right? And if you'll do that, I just promise you, if you do that, you won't feel, it's not about feelings, but if you'll make a decision to do it, that is how you're going to cultivate and grow the fruit of divine love on your branch. By choosing to and practicing it. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you.